This is the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care podcast. You can find more information and additional podcast episodes at professionalpalliativehub.com. Hello, my name is Yvonne McCahill. You're very welcome back to the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care podcast. And today I am talking to Anne-Marie Casey, team leader in the community at Foyle Hospice. And we are talking specifically about their new carer facilitator role. So Anne-Marie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm wondering, could you just give me a little, little bit of your own background there in Foyle? Yeah, well, I started in the Foyle Hospice and Patient Unit about 17 years ago, um, and I was a staff nurse on there providing care for patients who came in for some respite, a period of symptom control, or for end-of-life care. And as part of professional development, an opportunity came up to work um, in the community section, visiting people in their own homes. And I availed of that and actually loved working in the community. Um, And I proceeded then to take a job up in the community and was there for nearly 10 years. Um, then due to circumstances, um, I was able to avail of another opportunity to become team leader of the community team. And since that, my role has evolved and that now I'm nurse manager of the community team, the day hospice, the integrated care clinic and the care health and wellbeing facilitator. That is definitely very busy, Anne-Marie, I've no doubt. Um and I'm just, I'm very interested today, I suppose, to talk about the new role of carer facilitator that um, you might talk to me about and how the need was identified there um, in Foyle Hospice. Yeah. Well, we found that staff within the various departments of the hospice were saying that a number of the times, whether it was during home visits or an inpatient unit or patients attending day hospice, we find a lot of our time was actually devoted to the carers. And as a whole, we thought, you know, well, who is caring for the carers? And one of the messages coming across was like, they just wanted someone to listen to them. They wanted someone to support them. And I think they just wanted someone to recognize what a valuable role that they played. So as a team, we thought, how can we go about doing this? Um, and the idea went out there about trying to get a role for a care health and wellbeing facilitator. And after applying for funding, um, it came through and the point was the post was appointed in November 2021. But it was all through staff wanting to help and reach out to carers. So um, Marie, could I ask you to explain to me, you know, what the process is? Um, you know, how is a person, a carer, um identified to the team so currently the referral process is in-house only because the service is only getting up and running so um, members of our community team our day hospice our clinic and the inpatient unit if they feel that a care is requiring support they obviously ask them for consent and explain the role of the care and health well-being facilitator and then they make a referral to her And what we do then is we sit down and discuss with the relevant department, um, myself, the the facilitator and the team, the urgency of the referral. You know, 
Um, is this someone that needs a visit as soon as possible? Is it someone that needs telephone support or is it someone that does actually need a visit? So we actually prioritize um, and then we contact the family directly to see is it okay to arrange a visit. What we try and do for a bit of continuity is if the person is in the community, on the first visit, after contact is made, the, the care and wellbeing facilitator actually goes out along with the hospice community nurse. So um, just to make it a bit easier for the family, because it's another professional coming in there. Um, and on that instance, the community hospice nurse will talk to the patient and the care and health wellbeing facilitator will actually take the care to another room and have it very informally where we cup of tea and say, just hire you. Yeah, and it's so important as well, um, you know, to realise uh, there's such a need there. And often, I suppose, people are focusing so much, you know, on the, the person who is ill. Would it, is it mainly people who are family members, Anne-Marie, that you'd be helping? Or would it be, um, you know, outside of family? We find mostly it is um, family members, unless it's someone that doesn't have anybody, um, like a loving relative. We find then that maybe neighbours or old friends come on board and they become their carer as well. And what kind of challenges have you seen um, in people when you do visit them? What kind of need is there? I think sometimes what we find is I don't realize I don't think people realize how important a part they play in the care of someone who's a life limited illness. You know, I think they undervalue their role, and I don't think sometimes they really get the recognition for the work that they do. So a lot of our work would be, you know, talking to them to say like this has been a life changing event. Um. It's very overwhelming to be diagnosed with a life-limited illness but it's for the person, but it's also very overwhelming for their loved one that has to take on a care and role that they never had any experience before. And it doesn't come with a manual. You know, you have to just learn as you go along. So we find that not only is it overwhelming dealing with the illness, the next thing is there's all these professionals coming on board. You know, you have your district nurse, you have your community hospice nurse, there's OTs and physios looking about equipment. And your house is just taken over but your life and lifestyle has to adapt to accommodate that so we find that there's a lot of pressure on carers you know to they want to make everything perfect and they want to be doing everything right and what we say what you do this week is it's something you might do completely different next week because it's ever changing um so i think it's just giving the patients their the reassurance that you know you're doing a great job now and you'll continue to do a great job but we're here to support you and act as an advocate because sometimes you get cocooned in the house and you don't realize that there's other help out there and we can do the signpost and then for them um, to bring in as much help with their willingness um, because you can't do it on your own. What we find is it's very hard to sustain a caring role and you do get tired and you do get burnt out and some days are harder than others. So our role and focus would be with the care, health and wellbeing facility is to keep you as well for as long as possible so you can sustain this role that you, you've had to take on board. You've had no you know, option in the matter. Um, you want to care for your loved one. Yeah. 
And as you said, Anne-Marie, you know, I suppose life as you knew it has changed and it's it's really trying to adapt um, and it's it's so overwhelming for people. Um, and also just that then the care of health and well-being facilitator is just, um, you know, taking, I suppose, some of that pressure um, and just reassuring the person, as you said, that it is a learning situation that you had no experience of before and you're trying to, to do your best. And that's it, you know, because we do find there's a lot of pressure on them as well. You know, everybody's looking to you um, to see, well, how is your, your loved one today? You know, um, you have to remember to order medications. You have to remember to arrange appointments. You have to remember follow-ups. You know, how are you going to get time to do that on a life that you already have as well? And that it's still is going on. You know, we, we have patients that have their children, their teenagers, people getting married. You know, nothing stops because you've become a carer or because someone has a life limited on this. So it is very daunting for people and it is very challenging. And it's just, you know, there's someone there to deport, support them through those difficult times. Yeah, just somebody, you know, t- to talk to and share um, concerns and, and stresses with and over the last, I suppose, since the program has started or that the new role has, has come into being, are there specific times where you could really sort of see the positive impact that it's having? Yeah, we have found initially, I think some people find that if you're asking for help or support, that it's nearly a negative on them. Um, so we found at the start, the, the face-to-face contacts were actually quite low um, until they got to know the, the importance of the role and what our focus is, is about improving your own health and well-being and being able to self-care. So once people actually seen what the role did for the person, they were more receptive and we've seen those face-to-face contacts and visits increase. Um, but we do find that, you know, it actually has We've one gentleman who has come to the day hospice and um, his wife brings him in every day, every week. And she just said that he's a completely different person for coming onto the day hospice. And he said now even the difference in her that he knows when he's in at the day hospice that she has her own me time as such every week. And she said she's got her life back. She's able to meet up now with her um, friends for a coffee she knows she has that two hours a week that she can actually do something for herself but also by having our care and health well-being facilitator involved she signposted her to another organization which has allowed her as well to get a care and to sit for four hours a week which is allowing her more free time and it's both having them a bit of normality that it isn't always that sick rule and the care rule that the two of them have become entwined in Yes, and we're just talking about that, Anne-Marie, that, you know, not losing your own person, I suppose, or the, you know, the relationship you have with the person, the carer, you know, an opportunity just to kind of remember the things that they like to do themselves or, you know, as you say, they have, you know, other roles um, in their lives apart from that. So it's important to remember that and be kind of supported and encouraged to maybe do some of the same things that they always did yeah we do uh, 
see time and time again, you know, once you assume this responsibility of care, it's as if I can't do nothing else. So we actively promote, you know, if you want to go out and have a run or if you want to just go for a walk and have time out because it is very, very hard caring for someone um, and you do need time out. Um, it's only natural. Um, so we try and promote that, that, you know, if you did went to a crochet club, if you went to a Zumba class or if you went to the bingo, you know, try and have those things for your time out for your own well-being because it has a knock-on effect. If you're overtired, if you're overstressed and you're overworried, um, a situation and we find that, you know, there's another instance where there was a husband and wife and they were married for 53 years and um, she was deteriorating and her family had come home to stay. They had all had their own lives and their own families, but they come back into the, the family home. Um, and he said, by having our care and health wellbeing facility to go out for him, he could offload to her because he was still the father and the man of the house. I can talk to you. I've offloaded my worries and my concerns without worrying and concerning my family. Yeah, which adds more um, stress and worry, you know, on people because they don't want to, um, you know, concern maybe if it's children, um, understandably. So just so important to have that outlet. Uh, just for that instance again, like that lady that came in to the, the day hospital with her husband and then um got the time in her own like as she said she got her life back you know um and that's what it's about you know she her quality of life was improved because she knew week on week now that she was going to have her two years but he was having his quality time as well and they were having social social contact with other people as opposed to just the two of them in the house which can happen at times is that you don't see anybody else um so both of their quality of lives had improved and that's what we want to promote. And it's okay to, you know, to reach out, Anne-Marie, and, and um, you know, get the care that you need and deserve at that difficult time. And I think um, that's a really positive note, I suppose, Anne-Marie, to finish on. Is there anything else you would like to say? Yeah, Any message? you know, there's no dispute and some days will be harder than others. Um, but... As we said from the very start, you need to keep yourself well to be able to look after someone else and you need to take time out because this isn't easy. Um, you want you don't want to burn out too soon and you don't want to get tired and it's natural to get tired. But our plea is connect with other carers because they're the only ones that know what you're going through because they're in the same position as yourself. Um, so we're saying reach out there. There's even online or you know organizations don't feel you can't reach out um it's not a flaw it's not a negative it's actually a positive because what you and your loved ones going to get out of it is going to benefit everyone all around so thank you so much for joining me today Anne-Marie and keep up the good work for more information on palliative care week go to www.thepalliativehub.com where you will also find lots of useful resources for carers. Thank you for listening to the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care podcast. You can find more information and additional podcast episodes at professionalpalliativehub.com.